And then I've got two videos I wanna launch us into our discussion time with. We're gonna have some fun today. Yeah. You're gonna be one of my volunteers, I can tell. All right, let's pray. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for our opportunity here to be again in front of your word, to hear you speak. Father, just open our ears to hear what you have to say. Open our minds and hearts wide and help us to leave here different in a way that we can go out into our world and be better servants for you. Father, we live in Babylon and um, surrounded by folks that are not honoring you. Help us to be salt, help us to be light. Help us not get wrapped up in our emotions. We're gonna talk about our emotions today and emotions are so good, They're, they come from you and yet, Father, sometimes if, if we're not careful, we let them get out of control. So Father, bless us with an understanding of how to handle our emotions the way that Jesus did, to handle our emotions in a way that will honor you. Bless our time here in Jesus' name, amen. All right, now, who likes amusement parks? Raise your hand if you like amusement parks. Do y'all have any in St. Louis? Six Flags, Six flags. okay. <laughs> oh, man, my bad. <clears throat> so, uh, anybody ever been to uh, my favorite place? It's called Cedar Point. Yeah? I really like Cedar Point. We got Six Flags in Georgia, which is not far from me, but I am a roller coaster junkie. I love them. There's no ride too scary. Um, anybody ever done those rides where you like uh, strap yourself in and get, you like pull the ripcord and it just drops and then you swing? Who's done that? Super fun. Anybody ever skydive? Yes. Anybody want to? Yeah. I recommend it. It's a lot of fun. Um, so anyway, I'm a thrill seeker and um, I hope some of you guys are too. I'm gonna show you a video and I hope it works right away. You guys got my video queued up? I don't think there's any audio. I think there was audio, but it was a guy saying a bunch of nonsense. So I just want you to see these pictures of um, these amazing rides. And I want you to cheer if you see one that you would definitely get on. And I want you to say, oh no, all right, if you wouldn't get on it, okay? <laughs> the first one should be the one, I think it's labeled insane rides, something like that. So who would ride that one? That's, yeah, pretty fantastic. All right, hey, uh-oh, we got progress. My man, make that thing big, brother. Oh! Except for one incident here <laughs> to expand. 
contraption is a dandelion. So we try to compensate for I think this next one's like my favorite. I want to get on it so bad. Which track it was going to take. Unpredictability was an important aspect of our work. the next one now on this one guys i want you to pretend you're on it hopefully we can get it bigger screen or uh, we can try anyway but i've got a, a roller coaster simulator here okay so we're gonna be on a little roller coaster simulator just imagine you're on the coaster so lean with it rock with it okay <laughs> all right put your hands in the air like you just don't care i just ruined it <laughs> You know, I'm going to go ahead and blame this on Apple. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Go, Samsung. I got the mic. Go, Samsung. <laughs> you got it? You don't have it. Well, all right. Imagine a roller coaster. Woo. All right, there we go. All right, now back to the lesson. We're going to get this full screen. All right. So, you have a favorite emoji? What's your favorite emoji? Sunglasses? Which one? Flat face. What's that? Show me. Oh, that's it? All right, you guys help me out. Let's get started here. So how many of you, when you hear the term managing your emotions, would say, yeah, I need to talk about that. I need some help. Shout out, uh, just one at a time, just sort of, what's, what's your uh, emotion you struggle with? Shout it out. You shout it out. Well, hold on, hold on, I'm looking at her. No, she raised her hand. What, what emotion? Okay. Just being all in your emotion. What? Oh, not feeling. So just feeling kind of numb. All right. What's somebody else? One you struggle with. Pride. What you got? Anger. Anger. Nobody relates to that, right? <laughs> nobody has any anger issues. Yeah, over here. Say again. Selfish. Okay. Fear. What you afraid of, man? You afraid of these roller coasters and stuff? Okay. Yeah, in the back. Okay, good. Selfishness. What else? Anybody else got fears? I mean, not fears, but uh, struggles with your emotions. All right. Being sad. All right. Yeah. Anxiety. Worry. Jealousy. Depression. Yeah, those are real. Yes, sir. Yeah. Patience, all right. My clicker is not working. 
All right. I want to go over four reasons with you why we have to as Christians. If we're going to call ourselves by the name of Jesus, we have to manage our emotions. And here's why. Because your emotions, number one, are unreliable. Number two, your emotions will manipulate you. Raise your hand if you like to be manipulated. No. So you want to manage your emotions. Otherwise, you're going to be manipulated. You're going to end up somewhere you don't want to be. Number three, if you want to please God, it is absolutely necessary to manage your emotions. You cannot please God and not manage your emotions. And the last one, if you want to have a successful life, if you want to do things that matter, you've got to be able to manage your emotions. Is this going to work at all, you think? Okay, it worked yesterday. <laughs> all right, well, you're gonna have to advance me then. I don't know what else to say. All right, so the first one, it's unreliable. Your emotions are unreliable. Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things. It's beyond cure. Who can understand it? You realize you've got a mind, you've got a heart, but they're really kind of, the heart that's in your chest that, that pumps blood is not what we're talking about. We're really talking about all of these things that are embedded up here, okay? The mind and heart are intertwined, but there's a very big difference between mind and heart in a sense, that one is your intellect and one sort of carries your passions, your emotions, your desires. And when you separate the two, you either get this, something called stoicism, which is like all intellect. It's all just about what I know in my, in my knowledge, right? But then you've got this other problem called emotionalism. You've got stoicism and emotionalism. Don't hear me say today that intellect is bad. Don't hear me say today that emotions are bad. But stoicism is bad an overemphasis, or saying all I need to have is my knowledge, that's bad. Or emotionalism, not emotions, but emotionalism is bad because that says I don't need intellect. I'm just gonna go with my heart and my feelings, my gut, all those things we say. But we can't go with our heart if it's deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. So you can think, you can feel like you're doing the right thing. It can seem right. It can make you happy or give you pleasure. It could seem like, man, things just fell in place. This must be the right way. It can seem right, but it not be right. We've got to have a way to examine our heart and make sure. But man, we live in a world that's, man, if it makes me happy, if I just feel it, I'm going to go with it. You've heard the phrase, do you, right? You just do you. What does that even mean? Why would, why would anyone want to do that? I don't want to do me. I did me. And I know where it ended up. I wanna do Jesus, because I know where that ends up. 
And so I've got to always take my feelings and my emotions. I've got to lay them on top of Christ. I've got to lay them on top of his word. And I got to say, does this match up? Keep me moving. Secondly, your emotions will manipulate you. Proverbs 25, 28 in the New American Bible says, a city breached and left defenseless are those who do not control their temper. How many, a lot of you raised your hands on this one. Anybody have a temper that's hard to control? Man, you're defenseless. Your city can be breached. People can manipulate you easier than most. But if you can get a hold of that temper, oh my goodness. Look, I've, I had a temper. It's not completely gone, but I can tell you that Jesus has softened it. Man, I was ready to, I was one of those guys that was ready to fight. Are you looking at me funny? What are you doing? No, you know, that was me. I was like, why you mean mugging, huh? You know, that was me. I was ready to fight. I was good at it too, man. I was like a third degree black belt. I'm serious. And now a lot of good it does because I'm like a pacifist now. It's like you hit me and I got to turn my other cheek. It's like, what am I doing? I don't know. But you've got to learn to control your temper. We're going to talk about how to do that, but you don't want to be manipulated. Did you change that or did I? I did it. Yes, we're working, we're in business. All right, Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28 in the New Living Translation says, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. You've gotta get control. That's what this is all about. Let me say it to you this way, and this, I hope this hits you hard. Jesus is supposed to be in control, right? So what, what does it mean or what does it say if we let our emotions control us? That means Jesus doesn't have control. That means, here's strong language for you, Jesus isn't Lord. My emotion becomes Lord. My emotion starts driving things. And that is a city that can be breached. That is a city with no walls. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, we got, an, we got an enemy that will manipulate you as well. And he wants to eat you. It says, be alert and sober mind. Not all emotional. I'm gonna run off in a, just an emotional hysteria and just make impulsive decisions, whatever I feel. No, he says, back up. Stop, pause, pray, think, meditate, study, get advice. Right, that's what it means to have a sober mind. That's what it means to be alert your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Do you know when the devil is roaring? I mean, do you know when, the, when a lion is usually roaring? In real life, like when does a lion roar? That's right. When he's eating and finishing up. See, before he's prowling and he pounces and he gets you. And then he roars in victory over his meal. If we don't get control of our emotions, I want you to picture, when you, the next time you, you feel that temper flaring and you're about to spout off or you're about to punch the wall or you're about to whatever, you're about to let your 
emotions get the best of you, I want you to picture the devil going in victory. I don't know about you, but that helps me, man. I don't want that dude to win. I'm competitive, man. I don't want the devil to win. I don't want him roaring over my carcass, my spiritual carcass. I don't want to give him that satisfaction. Get it under control. Third, you cannot please God unless you get it under control. Listen to what Paul says to the Roman church. In Romans 8, 6 through 8, in the Good News translation, it says, to be controlled by human nature results in death. To be controlled by the Spirit results in life and peace. And so people become enemies of God when they are controlled by their human nature, for they do not obey God's law. And in fact, they can't obey it. Those who obey their human nature, what? Cannot please God. You wanna please God? The emotions have got to be in check. Who's Lord? You? And your emotions, your feelings, is that what controls you? Is that what drives you? Or is Jesus gonna be that in your life? It's your decision. You see, have you ever heard the phrase, um, do we have any husbands and wives in the audience? Raise your hand if you're husband and wife. Y'all will particularly appreciate this. Have you ever been in a um, elevated vocal discussion yes. with your spouse? Yes. No, y'all wouldn't do that, would you? Anybody ever accused your spouse? Blamed your spouse? Like you do something, you say something aggressive and you're angry and you say something to your spouse and then blame them because you did that? <laughs> you ever say the phrase, you push my buttons? Right? Well, if you hadn't done that, in other words, if you hadn't pushed my button, then you wouldn't have got... What you got? Let me tell you, your shirt has buttons, maybe. Your pants probably has buttons, but you don't have buttons. Why? Because you're not a robot. The external stimuli in your life, the people in your life that do things to you and shake you up and do all this kind of stuff is not to blame for what comes out of you. You are. Some of y'all have seen me do my illustration. I don't have it here today, but I bring up a couple of people up and I have a little bottle of water and I tell the person, all right, unscrew the bottle. All right, and now I grab my wrist, put it over the guy's head. Now I tell the guy, shake my arm upside down over the guy's head and he gets all drenched. And then I say, whose fault is it? And we argue about it for a while. Some of y'all say it's me because I told him to and I'm in charge. And others say, no, you didn't have to listen to him. You know, you shouldn't have did that to your brother. You know, and then others say, well, it's kind of his fault because he stood there, you know. And, um, <laughs> and then I say, well, what about y'all? Y'all didn't stop it, you know, so maybe you're at fault. And so anyway, we could argue about that. But here, then the bottle's completely empty and I get another volunteer to come up and I give that person that, that helped me out before the same instructions and they do all the same things, unscrew it, turn it, shake it, and that person's dry. Why? Because there's no water in the bottle. So where's the fault lie? The content of the bottle. So when you're in the dark in your bedroom and you're like, oh, four letter, bad word. <laughs> you don't blame that. 
you don't blame the lights, you blame what was inside your water bottle. It was there. That, combined with the dark and your carelessness, shook it out and revealed the contents of your heart. That's how this thing works. We are responsible, we are not robots. Fourth, a successful life. If you want that, and I assume all of you do, you, man, you see people that are successful, you admire them, you say, man, I want that, I want that. You've gotta have your emotions in check. Proverbs 5, 23 says, they get lost and die because of their foolishness and because of their lack of self-control. Y'all heard of IQ, right? Some of y'all got some high IQs. Have y'all heard of EQ? I'm not talking about an equalizer on the radio. But an EQ, if you ask most sociologists and maybe even most psychologists, if you ask most major businesses who interview for job positions, do you know what they wanna discover more than the IQ of a person? They wanna discover whether they have a high EQ. The EQ is viewed as more valuable in most cases than even the IQ. And here's what it is. It's called the emotional quotient. It's your emotional intelligence. It's your ability to identify, assess, and control your emotions within yourself. You're also able to help others do the same. And in large groups, you can control emotions. EQ is so valuable. EQ, man, some of the smartest IQs have no EQ and their lives are disasters. You've gotta develop your EQ. First Peter chapter four, verse two, in the Good News Translation says, from now on then, y'all hear this? I'm Peter is talking to us. So listen to him. He says, from now on, then, you must live the rest of your earthly lives controlled by God's will and not by your human desires. One of the two is gonna control you. Your feelings and your emotions are gonna drive you or Christ is gonna drive you. One of the two. Never make major decisions just off how you feel. I'm gonna give you three ways to manage. I hope I've convinced you that you need to manage. Now I'm gonna give you the how-to. The first thing you gotta do is name your emotion. Name the emotion that's trying to get out of control and control you. Name it. And you say, well, that's easy. Why do we gotta talk about that? I bet you it's not. In fact, most of you men in the room are gonna suck at this way worse than the girls. You ask the girl, how are you feeling? And she's gonna give you details about how, exactly how she's feeling. You, you were just looking for, I'm good, you know, but you got, oh, let me tell you, you know. <laughs> right? The guys, like, how you doing? They say, good. No, 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 really, how you doing? How you feeling right now? What are you feeling? What are you, fe what are you thinking right now? If you ask those kind of questions to a dude, they'd be like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm serious, man. We don't know what we're feeling. You could have a guy in the heat of the moment 
just doing something he shouldn't do. And you ask, why are you doing that? How are you feeling? What emotion is driving this right now? And they, half the time they can't tell you. This first step takes a lot of concentration and thought. And even if you might say, well, I'm angry, but then you need to go a step further and say, but why are you angry? Because usually the first thing you say you feel is not really the root emotion that's driving the whole thing. So you've gotta really dig deep beyond the surface of what appears to be the emotion that's driving you and really get to the bottom of it and say, what is really going on? Name it. The second thing is once you identify it, that's, you've gotta name it before you can tame it. Once you've identified it, then you challenge it. We're gonna talk about this. And then finally, you tame it or you change it, you get it under control. You control it rather than it controlling you. The first one, name it. What am I really feeling? Here's another question that you can ask. What triggers this? If this is a, an emotion, and some of you said, yes, I've got this struggle with this particular emotion. You've got one or two in your head right now that you know you need to control and get it under control. Get that firmly in your head and start asking these kind of questions. Say, what really tends to trigger that particular emotion in me? And I'm not talking about, well, when my wife says da-da-da-da-da. No, no, no. Dig deeper. Why when your wife says da-da-da-da-da? See, now you're getting closer to understanding where the real problem is. Why does it bother me when fill in the blank? Why do I tend to react this way when this happens? What triggers it? Psalm 55, two, in, in the God's word translation says, pay attention to me and answer me. My thoughts are restless and I'm confused. You ever feel that way? Like you just, you just don't know what's going on within you. It's okay to ask God to make that clear. Ask some brothers and sisters. I guarantee you, you're not the only one struggling with whatever it is that's on your mind right now that you need to get under control. I guarantee it. So don't fight it alone. And admit when you don't know what's going on. Admit your confusion. Number two, you gotta challenge it. Ask the question, is this feeling accurate? Is what I'm feeling or thinking right now reality? Is this feeling right? Is it true? Another thing you can say is, would Jesus feel this? Would this be an emotion that Jesus would have in this situation? Man, <laughs> would Jesus talk to my wife like this? Psalm 26, two says, put me on trial, Lord. A lot of translations say, examine me. I love the new living. It says, put me on trial and cross-examine me. Test my motives and test my heart. Man, nobody likes to be put on trial. Nobody wants to be cross-examined. Nobody wants that. How about voluntarily asking God to do that to you? How about taking it a step further and not only asking God, but then, but then letting God put some flesh on it 
in your brother and sister and ask them the same question. And let them, through the Holy Spirit living in them and the word of God, give you some instruction, some challenge. Challenge the feeling. For some reason it stopped working. Y'all heard of a conscience? Like the shoulder angels? <laughs> right, you get the, everybody ever watch uh, Emperor's New Groove? Yes. Love it. Oh, llama face. Anyway, as awesome movie. Love it. But my favorite scene is the two shoulder angels, right? And they get to arguing with each other. He's, Look at that sissy robe. It's not a robe, it's a toga, you know? And then, uh, you know, the, that's right. And the little funny stringed instrument thingy. It's a harp, you know? And then the, uh, my favorite part's when the other guy, you look over and he's doing like one-arm push-ups upside down. Look what I could do. <laughs> and the guy's like, what does that have to do with anything? And the angel goes, no, no, he's got a point. You know, it's awesome. <laughs> Love it. That's not how the conscience works though, all right? Not at all. And you know, some Christians um, misunderstand the conscience as well. A lot of Christians think the conscience, that small voice in your head as we describe it, is like the Holy Spirit. It's not. The Holy Spirit will never lead you wrong. Your conscience can. And we're gonna talk about that. This guy, um, Martin Luther, a pretty famous fella in church history, he says, God wants our conscience to be certain and sure that it's pleasing to him. This cannot be done if the conscience is led by its own feelings. The only way, in other words, he says, the only way is if it relies on the word of God. Your conscience, everybody's got one. Some of y'all's are more quiet than others. Some are louder than others. It depends on how you train your conscience and how you cultivate and nurture your conscience. But Martin Luther says, look, if you want a conscience that's gonna serve you well and not get you in trouble, so it kinda is like the shoulder angels, right? You can have a really vile conscience or you can have a really good one. But if you wanna get a solid conscience that's built into you by God, then you let the word of God shape it and nurture it, put into you what's right and wrong so that when you're out and you don't have your Bible open, it's already there. That's the idea of it being written on your heart. It's all connected to your conscience. I don't know why that's cut off. I hope, okay, so Romans chapter two, verse 15. They demonstrate that the law is written in their hearts for their own conscience and thoughts do one of two things. They either accuse or they tell them that they're doing right. Your conscience, if it's healthy, it will accuse you or it will validate you. It will either tell you you shouldn't be doing that or it'll tell you, yeah, man, you should be doing that and do it more. It's either gonna accuse you or it's gonna validate you. In 1 Corinthians 4.4, 4, it says, my conscience is clear. I want you to hear this, but that does not make you innocent. Your conscience, hear that. Your conscience can be clear. You can think nothing is wrong, but that doesn't make you innocent because the conscience is not the Holy Spirit. 
It is not infallible. It is not a perfect guide. It is the Lord who judges us. And then 1 Timothy 1, 18 through 20, Paul says, holding on to the faith and to a good conscience. But some have rejected their good conscience and rejected the faith. And so they have suffered shipwreck with regard to their faith. You don't want shipwreck. Out by yourself, lonely, can't go anywhere, can't get anything done, you're just stuck. A lot of you feel stuck. You don't see a way out. You might say, well, that's just the way I am, man. This emotion has got such a grip on you that you've convinced yourself that you'll just always be that way. That's the definition of shipwreck. You're stuck. But a faith that we've been talking about all weekend, faith, real faith, accompanied by action, getting into the word and letting it shape your conscience will get that boat from being shipwrecked to sailing the seas and man, just doing great things in the kingdom of God. In 1 Timothy 1, 18 through 20, it says, the spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. Raise your hand if you know Tony Dungy. You know that guy? All right, football coach. I, th I guess he's not anymore, right? He's just a commentator and he's written books and stuff. Does anybody know anything about Tony Dungy's son? He had a condition where he could not feel things. His nerves his nerve endings didn't work properly. So literally, Tony Dungy's son could come over to a hot stove and just be talking and just kind of put his hand down on the stove and not know it until he started smelling his flesh burning. So they had to go to all these precautions just to make sure, always watching and monitoring him and setting up boundaries and trying to keep him safe because he would not know when he was hurting himself until he saw gushing of blood coming out or burning flesh or whatever it was that was hurting him. Tony, I forget the name of this condition. I should have looked it up before the lesson, but you can look this up, man, but what a miserable way to exist. And Paul says, you can do that. You can lose feeling in your conscience. Listen, Jeremiah talks about God's people as getting to a point where they can no longer blush. How many of you could walk in to an R-rated movie and hear 50 you know, cuss words in the movie and never blink an eye or think another thing of it? Raise your hand if that wouldn't even really bother you. What if you saw a naked lady or naked guy, I guess, on the screen. Would you be like, <gasps> ooh, like a little kid, right? Or would you just be like, all right, next scene, no big deal, right? You see, when you live in Babylon, and Babylon is the dominant culture around, and you're surrounded by it, and you're bombarded with it, you stop learning how to blush. You forget how to blush. 
You forget, you lose sensitivity, your conscience gets numb and dull and it doesn't bother you anymore. And the scripture says, man, this is not a good category to be in because remember, if the conscience isn't healthy, this is directly contributing to your emotions being out of control. In fact, they're in control. And then if your emotions are in control, you can't please Jesus. And if you can't please Jesus, that means guys, that he's not Lord, something else is. This is serious. And I wanna challenge you, if you take nothing else away from this lesson, Think about your conscience and helping it to become more sensitive and healthier. The word of God is the only thing that can do that for you. It shapes your conscience. It molds your conscience and it nurtures your conscience. The word is so powerful. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is alive, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges what? Your thoughts, your attitudes, your feelings. It judges those things. All the things that come from the heart, the word of God judges. You need it to shape your feelings. I love this picture because I really think that this is a lot of you in the crowd. You say, well, what? it's a Facebook puppet, right? I'm a real boy, you know. Are you? Are you fired up about whatever social media tells you is the next thing that you should be fired up about? You just get fired up about what everybody else tells you you're supposed to be fired up about? Or do you allow God to do that. See, is God your puppeteer leading and guiding you through his spirit, through his word, getting your emotions under control, he's in control, or, or social media, which is essentially the world, Babylon. Like a lot of your friends on Facebook that are posting this and complaining about that and getting all in a ruckus about this or that, a lot of them are Babylon. You're just a puppet being manipulated. So we gotta change our mind. That's the word for repent actually means change your mind. It says don't conform in Romans 12 too, to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We've got to resolve to let God change our minds. And it's not easy. It's not like we've got a little device, all right, you ready to have your mind changed? You know, it's not that simple. You don't have control, delete on your forehead. You actually have to do some work. You have to study the word, man. You gotta pray, you gotta get with brothers and sisters that have been where you are that can help you get out of where you are. You gotta trust, you gotta be humble, you gotta do a lot. It's a lot of work, it's not easy, but it's work worth doing. Paul refers in Galatians chapter four, verse 19, I don't have it up there, but I'll give you the gist of it. He's saying, man, to these Galatians that he loves so desperately, and I'm telling you guys, you've got leaders that love you desperately. I guarantee you, you've got leaders that have lost sleep over you. You've got leaders that have cried themselves to sleep at night thinking about you and your well-being. Paul was this way with the Galatians. Paul 
described it like he was going through labor pains. And look, Paul didn't know what that was. He's a man. But Paul had seen women without anesthesia like we have today. He had seen the agony. And when he thought about what he was feeling for these Galatians and wanting the best for them, that's what he compared it to. That's how, man, gut-wrenching it was for him to think, oh no, I wonder if they're gonna do right. I wonder if they're gonna straighten out. I wonder if they're ever gonna live up to their calling. I wonder if they're ever gonna step out and do what I know God can do through them. He was losing sleep over it. He felt like he was going through labor. And there are people in your lives that feel that way about you. And you need to get to the point where you feel that way about others. And you're serving others at that level so that you're agonizing over them. The second thing is you gotta change it, you gotta tame it. The question you need to ask is, are my emotions in line with Jesus? We talked about this some, but Philippians 2.5 says, man, in your relationships with each other, have the same mindset. Not sorta kinda like Jesus, no, the same mindset as Christ. We're called to have the mind of Christ. The standard is no lower, it's always Christ. Whatever he felt, however he felt, however he would interact in this situation, that's how I must do it. I need some volunteers and we're gonna be done when we conclude this little illustration. All right, um, let me think about this for a second. So I need one um, fairly limber, good balance, you know, athletic guy. What you got? All right, come on. Just come up and stand on the stage. Now, I need someone who can jump. I need someone who can jump high. Anybody jump high? Come on. I need, uh, let's see. I need um, just somebody who can help me hold something that's kind of tall. All right, come on up. All right, good. And then I need someone who's been to jail before. Come on, Kyle. All right, I need you to come up here so that everybody can see you really good. Come over here, Kyle. I want you to stand right here by the speaker. Thank you. Uh, my jumper, I need you down here. There we go, good. Very good. Now, here's what we're gonna do. I gotta get my toys out, sorry. Okay. Let's start with, um, yeah, let's start with this guy. Where's my pen? All right. 
Oh, there it is. So I need you guys to tell me something, a sin that's real to you or has been real to you that you committed, if you're willing to shout it out in front of everybody, that you are ashamed of. Give me something, shout it out. Hold it, I can't write that fast. <laughs> um, Kyle, come over here for a second. You write, you write these as you hear them shout them out so fast because they're too fast for me. Just write one on each one. What was another one? Drugs. Man, write it big, bro. <laughs> All right, let's see here. All right, bud. Now, all of these sins you are ashamed of. And you know what shame makes us do? Hide, so I want you to hide it. Don't let anyone see that. Thank you. <laughs> He's like, me? <laughs> all right, give him some more sins, y'all. Man, these stickers are tricky. All right. Um, you're ashamed of all of these, okay? <laughs> Boy, I could have done that more creative, couldn't I? <laughs> We're getting, don't worry, I've got some time. Okay. Y'all realize shame? Shame is so real. He's so ashamed of these sins that he's gotta cover them up. He doesn't want anyone to see them. Shame is a very real emotion that can get out of control, especially the more sins you have. <laughs> Y'all got any more sins for Kyle? Don't want anybody to see these. <laughs> Boy, I need somebody with fingernails to get these things off. Come on. Cool, yeah, just take those off for me. How you doing, bro? Check your leg here, buddy. Yeah. Don't want anybody to see that.
All right, let's give this guy a, uh, a hand, but I want you to take a picture of him and send it to him. And I want you to know that, look, man, when you live a life of shame, this is the crazy things that we try to do. We look crazy. We're almost in this fetal position where we can't even function. We can't, and it's just not a life at all. It's crippling. You cannot live trying to hide your sin and cover it up and make sure nobody knows about it because you're so ashamed. You've got to get shame under control. How do you get shame under control? Show the world. Get up and show the world your sin. Acknowledge it. Say, yes, I'm a drunk. I do porn. I've stolen. I've been on drugs. I hated people. I'm lied. I lust. I'm struggling. Help me. And you know what happens? The shame is gone. Forgiveness comes. And you can get on with your spiritual life. Go back over to the speaker. Thank you. I like bossing him around. All right. Kyle. Kyle struggles with the emotion of fear. What does fear do to us, guys? What does it do? Closer to the speaker. The speaker's expensive, Kyle, okay? Step over to the side. Don't straddle it. This isn't horse riding. I picked the wrong guy. All right, just stand there and hold your sign. Thank you. All right, now my new contestant. Um, I need my two guys that are gonna hold this. All right, let's see what we got here. Grab one of those sticks there. Um, yeah, you can help out. You're not ashamed anymore. All right, <laughs> grab that stick. All right, step forward. I want you to raise it up in the air. Make the thing taut, all right. Let's, let's ask him. How, you think you can touch that? Um, we got to get it over here so he can jump and try to touch it. Stay up on the stage. Lean your arms out a little bit. All right. Hey, do, look, look at me, guys. Look at me. Look at me. Angle your arms that way just a little bit. There you go. All right. Jump up and see if you can ring the bell, bro. Let's lower it a little bit. Lower, lower it just a little bit. Lower it just a little bit. Bend your elbow a little bit. There you go. All right. Let's, let's raise it. Give him a hand. Get it up. Go ahead. Come on, you can do it. You're going to jump. You told me you could jump high. There you go. All right, now. Here's the problem. Um, give me a volunteer. Step up, step up. Anybody, come on. I want you to hold this. I want you to stand down there near him. Resentment. There you go. All right. Give me another volunteer. Come on, quickly, quickly. Step up, stand right over here. Hold this up. There you go, right there. Give me two more, come on, quick, come on. Stand right here, dead center. Right there, just like that. Stand right over here. Just like that, hold it just like that. Now, he's super, Super, super. Um, wrong backpack. Here we go. Do, 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 do. 
Shout out your word. What's your word? Shout it out. Guilt. Shout it out. All right, hold it up so they can see it. Guilt. All right, where's my, okay, here's what we gotta do. I needed one more helper, didn't I? This is gonna be fun. You're gonna be super happy that you, put it on. All right, right now, all, he is, all he's feeling is some guilt, you know? He's just got unreleased guilt that he's dealing with in his life, but God wants you to, to accomplish this task. You guys are being too gracious. Put it back up there where it was. That's where he touched it before. All right, I believe in you, bro. Just a little guilt. Just a little guilt. Go ahead. All right, hey, look, he's working hard. Lower it just a hair. All right, let's go. You got it, come on. All right, that's not bad. Now, let's add your sin, shout it out. Resentment. All right. Accomplish the goal that God has set you out to do. Live for God, baby, let's go. Second guy. Good job. What's your sin, bud? Jealousy. Live for God. Let's go. Go preach the gospel. Let's go. It's all right. Hey, it's your sin, bud. Let's go. I need you to um I need you to lead some singing. Just just touch the bell. Give him a round of applause. Turn around, smile at the audience. This is, this is on Facebook Live probably. Raise the bell up, the bell doesn't change. The call is always the same. The standard is always the same. You just cannot accomplish it with all of this stuff weighing you down. Turn yours around. What's the solution? Give me one of those things. Give me this thing. Confess. What's yours? Prayer. Prayer. Hey, get this thing open, man. We're getting rid of stuff, bro. We're getting rid of stuff. Prayer. What's yours? Praise. Praise. Why is that the opposite of jealousy, you think? Yeah, you're content. You're not just content, but you're so grateful for what you have that you can praise and thank God. And what was yours? Forgiveness. Anybody need to do that? Anybody harboring bitterness and unforgiveness in your life? Man, it's just weighing you down. It's keeping you from being the person that you can be. Give me that thing. You don't need that anymore. 
Go live for God now. Let's go. Raise it up high. Live for him. Give me all you got, baby. Let's go. Yeah! Give them all a round of applause. Give them all a round of applause. Y'all can have a seat. Y'all can keep your uh, sins and your praise and all that good stuff. Keep that. Thank you. Let's have a prayer. God, thank you for this group. Oh, my bad. What does Kyle need? What overcomes fear? How do you overcome fear? That's what's got him locked down. He can't go touch any bells. What's gonna free him? Any scriptures come to mind? Truth sets us free. What helps us with fear? Perfect love casts out fear. Here's another thing. Sometimes you can't completely get rid of fear and that's okay. You ever been scared to go live for God, to go ask somebody to come to church, to ask somebody to study the Bible? You ever been afraid? You ever been fearful? Look, it's okay. In fact, sometimes it's more useful if you're going shaking and nervous and scared, but you just gotta meet fear with faith. And you just gotta let your brother I'm sorry, Kyle, this isn't working. <laughs> Faith is failing. No, Give him a hand, go ahead. <clears throat> All right, let's pray. Thank you, God, for this, this group. I pray they got something out of this. I pray they not live weighed down lives. I pray they not live lives that are controlled by their emotions, by shame, by fear, by guilt, by jealousy, by anger, Oh, Lord, there's so many things the devil uses to get us. Depression, help us clean out our backpacks, our spiritual backpacks, so that we can jump high for you, Father, and live for you in this world and glorify you. I pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.